Shalom, and welcome to Christians with Torah, the Beit Tehillah Community Podcast. We believe the Torah is relevant for our lives today, God's teachings and instructions. You may very well be part of the first generation to be born again, filled with the Holy Spirit, and have the Torah, a Christian with Torah. Join us as we honor the living God through the study of His Word, topical conversations, and interviews with special guests. Please welcome our hosts, Pastor Nick Plummer and Ryan Cabrera. Shalom, everybody, and welcome to Christians with Torah, the Bait to Heal Community Podcast. I'm your co-host, Ryan Cabrera, and I'm here in Studio B with Pastor Nick Plummer. Hey, Pastor Nick, how are you? I'm glad to be here. And I'm glad to be here, too. So praise God, we are uh, in between you know, those times where we had the the ninth of Av and right the three weeks of affliction. Oh yeah. And now we're <laughs> headed into the season of Teshuvah very soon. So at the recording of this video, it's actually August twenty third. So we're four days away from the, the from a little one and starting the season of Teshuvah. So by the time you you watch this or listen to this, there's a possibility that it will be uh, Teshuvah already. So what is Teshuvah? Teshuvah is the word in Hebrew that uh, means to turn or to turn around, to like make an about face, and it is the the it has the connotation of repentance, right? It means it's return. The, it describes yeah. the context of, of repentance, Shub. But, but returning Shub. to God, right? So um, as we go through this process, the uh, the season of Teshuvah starts on a little one, uh, which is the month before the fall feasts. The fall feasts start in Tishri, and so. For the 28 or 29 days of Elul, we have uh, Teshuvah. And then for the 10 days at the beginning of Tishri, including Yom uh, Teruah and Yom Kippur. And so sometimes the 10 days, uh, which are called the 10 days of all, are also called the 10 days of Teshuvah, right? Yes. Just depending on what source you're looking at and who you're talking to and all that. So very excited about Teshuvah. I hope you guys dig into it. Um, We have a lot of good resources. Uh, Pastor Nick actually has created a uh, Teshuvah spiritual journal that if you wanted to get a hold of that, uh, I would encourage you to do so. Absolutely. So uh, I'd also like to welcome anybody that's here for the very first time. Thanks for watching. We're excited that you're with us. Uh, Obviously, we are what our name sounds like. We are Christians with Torah. That's right. Right? And so we believe that the whole Bible from Genesis to maps is relevant to believers today. And we only put an emphasis on Torah because the church has kind of left the Torah by the wayside. And so uh, we have four years of doing the the Torah portions. And so if there was a section of the Torah that you wanted to listen to, uh, you could go back and see each portion of the Torah at least four times. That's good. So uh, moving right along. Uh, we are, this year, instead of doing the Torah portions, we've been studying the Gospel of Matthew. Uh, and this has been a really fun journey. And so we are up to chapter 18, and we're going to do the second half of the chapter today, which is verses 15 through 35. All right. Would you like to read verses 15 to 20? It would be my great honor. Let's do it. That's right. The Word of God. All right, so starting in verse 15. Moreover, if thy brother shall trespass against thee, go and tell him his fault between thee and him alone. If he shall hear thee, thou hast gained thy brother. But if he will not hear thee, then take with thee one or two more, that in the mouth of two or three witnesses every word may be established. And if he shall neglect to hear them, tell it unto the church. But if he neglect to hear the church, let him be unto thee, as a heathen man and a publican. 
Verily I say unto you, Whatsoever ye shall bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatsoever ye shall loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Again I say unto you, that if two or uh, two of you shall agree on earth as touching anything that they shall ask, it shall be done for them of my Father which is in heaven. For where two or three are gathered together in my name, there am I in the midst of them. All right. So let's uh, keep all this in context because it's going to be kind of fun because oh, yeah. a lot of times we take it out of context. But So verse 15 is, Moreover, if thy brother shall trespass against thee, go and tell him his fault between thee and him alone. If he shall hear thee, thou hast gained thy brother. So the word trespass is a Greek word, hamartano, and it means to miss the mark and so not share in the prize, to err, especially morally to sin. Uh, for your faults, um, so especially morally to sin or for your faults, uh, to offend, sin, or trespass. <clears throat> I like this. If a matter can be settled without getting others involved, that will keep rumors and misunderstandings from multiplying. It will keep the conflict from spreading. The ultimate objective is restoration of the offending brother or sister. Amen. That makes sense. Amen. So, you know, that's if a matter can be settled. So, Pastor Nick, how common would you say uh this process is amongst believers today i i think it's rampant really i think a lot of people you know um don't want to deal with their stuff that's what i'm saying i don't think people are doing this no no they're not i i don't think so i mean you know the bible says if you're offended to go to your brother you should right. make it very clear leave your altar at the gift make it right then bring your altar correct get from the altar to, to the lord so you know i think it's important that we we do that you know and if it be possible be at peace with all men um but now this is where it gets to be very interesting in verse 16 of 18 but if he will not hear thee then take with thee one or two more that in the mouth of two or three witnesses every word may be established Having witnesses follows the guideline in Deuteronomy 19.15 and refers to witnesses of the subsequent confrontation described in this verse, not necessarily eyewitnesses to the original offense. Mm -hmm. So there's some stipulations here, some technicalities you could pull if you really wanted to, like, um, oh, I didn't say that or I didn't do that. Mm. And it was only between the two of you. Right. But then you're you're adamant about no. So then you take the two witnesses, right? Yeah, I was trying to think of like examples, right? So um the one example that I was thinking of was someone, you know, borrows something from someone else and then when they return it, uh they return it in a condition that is not as good as when they got it. Or maybe they don't return it at all, you know? And so I think this process makes sense because the first thing you do is you go to your brother alone. Right. Because what we're trying to do is we're trying to prevent it from spreading. As <clears throat> yeah, you resolve it, resolve the issue. But what if they're like, oh, what are you what are you talking about? You know, oh, I didn't do that. Or, hey, I don't have that. What are you talking about? Right. But then all of a sudden you bring some people with you. Lo and behold, they fix the problem, you know, because there's some added accountability there, you know. And that could be a little confrontational. Well, and to the I, other person. Well, and that's that's what I like, mean. Well, I why think are you people, bringing these two people? Well, you wouldn't listen to me the first time. The first time I tried to reason with you. Correct. But this is I the can process. really relate to this stuff. Yeah, I bet you can. I, I can see it unfold right before yeah. my very eyes. I mean, well, and this is this is what I mean. I think that uh, the culture that we live in today <clears throat> is very non-confrontational. Um, you'll notice, like, if, if there'll be people from from other cultures, like you know, other countries that'll come here, 
and they'll be uh we'll talk about their personalities like uh what is it israelis they call them sabras right which is the hebrew word for cactus because they're a little prickly right they can be a little abrasive sometimes but it's part of the culture that like hey we handle things like we, if you're doing x y or z that somebody doesn't like or you're doing something that's offensive or something then then you get called out on it right. whereas in america we're like oh we just push it to the side everybody's trying to like let everybody it's just bad behavior live and but what it does is it perpetuates the bad behavior right so jesus is actually giving us some instructions that help prevent bigger issues in the future so maybe it causes little tiny confrontations in the beginning but it, what does it prevent later on? I'll tell you, you know, as far as I'm concerned, as we get into Matthew 18, 17, and if he shall neglect to hear them, tell it unto the church. Ooh. But if he neglect to hear the church, let him be unto thee as a heathen man and a publican. So if they neglect to hear the church, then they are to be excluded from the fellowship and thought of as a Gentile or a tax collector. This, this also goes for someone who's in gross sin or sinning, and you approach them, you know, not that they did anything to you, but maybe they are in sin, right. or they're caught in a sin, or they have a sin, and the church is aware of it, and it's kind of rampant or whatever, it's prevalent, it's, it's known right. as far as the witnesses or whatever. Sure. So you would have to have somebody to say, you know, we've got this issue. You know, this comes out of, of Yeshua's own mouth, right? This is, this is red letters, this is him giving instructions. And I find it interesting because I don't. I, I've been part of churches for probably the better part of the last. What am I? Thirty six now. So I mean, most of my life I've been in a church of some sort or another, on and off. But f- since I was nineteen, I've been in church consistently. So almost what eighteen years now, seventeen years. Yeah, I've never <clears throat> seen this process go down in the church. Most things. The only times I've ever seen someone asked to leave the church, it was usually because they were. Uh, interpersonally disruptive. Right. Right. So it was like some sort of clash with leadership in some way or another right. where the leadership was, was offended and it wasn't necessarily a sin. Several times I've seen it happen to where the person was actually doing this process, bringing something to light, and then the leadership just didn't like the the process, right? So then it, that person was, you know, asked to excuse themselves. Yeah. So what that makes me think of is that we're, we're, if we flipped it on, on its head because... In the church, if somebody is in gross sin, we don't ask them to leave. We don't say, hey, you need to go figure out your sin. You can't, right. you can't, you need to pick one. You need to pick being here as part of this community or pick the sin. Right. And, um, and it's unfortunate if you really think about it because what happens is this is the reason why like major denominations today are ordaining people that are in, you know, overt, blatant, unrepentant sin to positions of authority. And now these people are now running the congregations that they should be excused from, according to Yeah, because it says if they neglect to hear the church, then they are to be excluded from the fellowship and thought of as a Gentile or a tax collector. A Gentile is without God, separated. So literally put outside the camp. Yeah, we exactly. So if you don't like celebrate the feast, you're put outside the camp. If because you, if sin get, is an you know. illness, right? It's like disease. And so just like in, in uh, Leviticus, right, when they give laws for the leper and things like this, there are some sin that is seen as it spreads, as if it's cancerous, right? As if other people will fall into the sin because someone is in the sin. And it's proven. We could see it. Yeah, I mean, if we know somebody's in gross sin, then that can't be permitted to to continue in the church. You're going to have to take them off to the side and say something. But as far as accusations and speculations, we don't want to get into that. No, of course not. The hearsay. Uh, So what's interesting is we... we, (laughs) deal with one when one brother sins against another or a trespass 
Uh, he goes on to talk about this and, and, and to bind something in Matthew 18, 18. Verily I say unto you, whatsoever you shall bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatsoever you shall loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. So this makes very, very, uh, this is a very important part. The binding and loosing refers to the decisions of the church in conflicts. Right. Let's see. What do you allow? What do you not allow? Believers should not need a court of appeals beyond responsible leaders in the church. So the binding and loosing refers to the decisions of the church in conflicts. What do you permit? What you don't permit? So I look at this as if <clears throat> you know, the binding and loosing, you know, when you get a mortgage, there's like official documentation that gets recorded officially right. with like the clerk of the court in, right. your, in your municipality. And so I look at this as if heaven has a municipal department that's right. saying, hey, we've made this decision. And then like it gets its special embossed seal right. from the church. And then it gets recorded with the official records. Gotcha. Um, that's kind of the way I imagine this process going down. Because uh, otherwise, like w- what happens in heaven at that point, right? Are they excluded from heaven? You know, I don't think that's necessarily what this is saying. I think this is a uh, heaven and earth will have be witnesses against you, right? right. About these matters. And so yeah. the binding and loosing literally occurs and it gets recorded. Yeah, what you permit, don't permit. You know, <clears throat> it goes on to say in Matthew chapter 18, verses 19 and 20. Again, I say unto you that if two of you shall agree on earth as touching anything that they shall ask, it shall be done for them of my Father which is in heaven. For where two or three are gathered together in my name, there am I in the midst of them. So Yeshua affirms that he will be divinely present among his disciples as they seek unity in rendering decisions. Uh, Two or more believers filled with the Holy Spirit will pray according to God's will, not their own. Thus, their requests will be granted. It makes so so much sense. I mean, if you stop and think about it, what are we going to agree to? See, this is like our church, the way we establish it, the way we express our faith. So when people ask about this or that, what are you in agreement with? You know, I'm not in agreement with flags. Huh. You, it's okay. Or I'm not in agreement with speaking in tongues and interpretation of tongues. But if two or more are gathered and are in agreement, which is really what we have here, sure. there's a small amount of people that would disagree. Well, I don't really believe in dancing. You know, so so it's like, but but there's, once yeah. again, if you look at Beit Dealer, two or more have made an agreement that this is what we're going to do. Well, so I, I, I think with what we consider non-essential cultural matters— which would be what things that you kind of listed there, you can make an interpretation that can be binded, bound or loosed. But with things that are in the scriptures, we don't get to change the verdict of, of Yeshua. No, we don't. Right? No. So the church doesn't have the authority to change the word of God. That's right. We are to be submitted and subjected to the word of God. Are we disciplined enough? Right. So That's where I'm learning. Flags, for example— I mean, I'm pretty sure there's some psalms that talk about dancing, singing. Banners. Banners. Playing the timbrel, right? Tambourines yeah. and, and all of these things. So I know that there are these things. But then we also have the context for Paul talking about order amongst the congregation. So there has to be order, right? There has to be a submission to the, to the, the, the authority within the body of believers. Right. But there does need to be the free exercise and expression of worship. Right, because that's yeah. what people should be allowed to do. So you know, that my thing is now that we've gone. Wait, into, do you agree? Yeah, it's bound. I, well, just I like, agree. Just like that, it's done. So when one brother sins against another, so now th- this stirs up the conversation of forgiveness. So I'm going to read 
verses 21 and 22 of 18. Then came Peter to him and said, Lord, how oft shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him till seven times? Jesus saith unto him, I say not unto thee until seven times, but until 70 times seven. Oof. So this is interesting. So what was Peter's question to Yeshua? Uh, how oft shall my brothers sin against me and I forgive him till seven times? Can you imagine times? a cutoff date? That's terrible. Yeah. So what was Yeshua's response? He said, I say unto thee until, not until, I say not unto thee until seven times, but until 70 times seven. So is that 490 times? It, it is literally 490 times, but I think that there's more to that. Well, within Judaism, three times was sufficient to show a forgiving spirit. Yeah. Based on Job chapter 33, verses 29 and 30. Uh, in the ESV, and almost, and then in Amos 1, 3, and 2, 6. If you want to read... Um, I'm going to find Job. The, where's the Job? Let's see here. Where's Job in here? He's in here somewhere. Just got to find him. I know he's in here with Ezra, Nehemiah, Esther, Job. There it is. But go ahead and do... Uh, why don't you look up Amos? Oh, I was already in Job. You want to do... Well, Job has... It's worded differently. It is, but I can I can pull it out. I have the King James Version this week. I apologize. No, that's fine. That. So go ahead and, uh, but and do that. I'll give you the Job. It's verse th uh, chapter 33, verses 29 and 30. It says, Lo, all these things worketh God oftentimes with man to bring back his soul from the pit to be enlightened with the light of the living. Right? So this oftentimes here, when you uh, look at the notes, right, which are here, it says twice or three times with man. So it's actually literally in the Hebrew, it says two, yay, three times with man. So man gets that third time. So God, yeah. it's saying, is patient with man up until, like, look, third strike, you're out. Right. <laughs> Which Seems is interesting. interesting. Well, Which you is, have tested me these ten times. Remember that? Wow, the yeah, tested the Lord ten times? Yeah, that's right. What about Amos 1.3? All right, Amos 1.3. Thus saith the Lord, for three transgressions of Damascus, and for four I will not turn away the punishment thereof, because they have uh, threshed Gilead with threshing instruments of iron. 2.6. And Amos 2.6. Thus saith the Lord, for three transgressions of Israel, and for four I will not turn away the punishment thereof, because they sold the righteous for silver and the poor for a pair of shoes. So within Judaism, three times was sufficient to show a forgiving spirit based upon those references. Now, thus Peter believes uh, he has shown generosity by forgiving seven times. Yeah, wow. I mean, that's d double plus one. True disciples of Yeshua are to forgive without keeping count. I agree with that. But remember, if we do not forgive others, we will not be forgiven. That's Matthew the, chapter 6, verses 14 that's and 15. Gospel truth they right don't there. even have to come to you for forgiveness. Right. We have to think about people and forgive them. But there's still a lot involved. Yeah. There can still be some form of resentment, bitterness, sure. disappointment, trust factors, trust violated. Right. But you can forgive. So a couple things here with the numbers. Three is divine and of the Lord, right? Right. So Peter is thinking of the divine and of the Lord number of three. Right. When he's... When he's coming up with his, well, his, yeah, but he says seven times. He does, he does. But he, yeah. as you mentioned, within Judaism, three right. is sufficient, right? right. Uh, so then he's saying, "Wow, I'm going to even forgive more than God seven times." Wow, seven, right? And so seven is the number for completion, right? right. A complete cycle, like a shemitah cycle, right. um, a week, right? A Shabbat, um, right? 
So you get that seven. And then 70 has two things. 70 is the number for redemption, right? The nations. But it's also the number for the nation. See, last night people kept bringing up redemption. But I was like, but you've got to understand that 70 is also the number for the nations. Because if we really think about it in this context, how, how much sin does the nations have compared to Israel, right? So if Israel is, is you know, this bad, right? 70 does mean redemption? Yeah, Interesting. like redemption, yeah. And redemption. And redemption, which is interesting, right? Because it is the number for the nations. And what is going to be redeemed but the nations, right? There's right. going to be a calling of the bride out of the nations. That's good. Uh, Ephraim, right? That is good. I guess we could also say it's the number for Ephraim, you know? I mean, just for fun, you know? Maybe not. So um, so that gives you the 490, right? Now, wasn't it, how many years was it that they were in captivity? Remember? 70. It was 70 years of captivity in Babylon. But, and then from that point to the Messiah was what, 490 years? Yeah, I'm not really it's sure. It's something like that. I don't remember. Anyways, I hadn't put together the, the numbers on it, but I thought it was very interesting. Maybe somebody can put in the notes or in the, I'm sorry, in the, uh, the comments something and, and, and let me know what the story is with that. That'd be pretty cool to figure out. Um, but I, I, I just, <laughs> I feel for Peter cause you know, uh, Peter's high on himself when he's saying this, right? He's probably coming to him like, Ooh, Ooh, he, Ooh, he's cocky seven times. He's, he's very, confident. how about that? Yeah. You know, drop the mic. And Jesus is like, really seven. Interesting. Like, do you even follow me? Have you just even thought of those are like, that's like do's and don'ts. Well, no, you, you're past your limit. <laughs> You've exceeded your limit. I won't forgive you today, but maybe tomorrow we can start. Yeah. We can do something tomorrow. But look at you met your quota. Yeah, but look at what Yeshua in, in the Father. Look how at can how you not forgive somebody that comes to you? Though? That's forgiveness. The thing. Please ask. You know, I'm sorry for what I said, or I apologize, or will you forgive me for what I said or did? How can you not forgive people that come to you like that? You know, I'm, is, just, I'm just thinking about. No, like, no, this is a good point because I, I don't have a. I think that's powerful. Like I've never turned anybody away, or no, I'm not going to forgive you, or. I don't know. That's well, we finished the last little section here, right, when we got to verse 20, talking about how believers will pray God's will, and then God's will will be done. So that begs the question, did they need to pray? Like, it's kind of one of those questions, if a tree falls in the forest and no one's there to hear it, does it make a sound? You know? It does. Well, people say it does, but how do you know? <laughs> you know? This is one of those hypotheticals. So if, if the believers don't pray the will of God, then does the will of God happen anyways? And so if it does happen anyways, did it matter that they prayed? You see what I mean? How they get this circular logic? And so the answer is somewhere in there with uh, you should do the Lord's will, which is to pray. Right. Right? Clearly, because it says it. And then number two, um, God chooses us to participate with him, not always because that's what his action is contingent upon, but because it aligns us with his heart so that when we can get in alignment and we pray his will, now we are, we are truly participating with him because we're aligned. And it's a connection. Correct. You're connected to yourself, to, the, to God, and to the person. Exactly. Which is so important. Yeah. Even if you sin sense. against a, a heathen or an unbeliever. Oh, yeah. You have to ask for forgiveness. Well, we have to be above reproach. This is what I'm saying. Yeah. So uh, do you want to read and then take over from here? I would love to. It's so. uh, Matthew 18, verses 23 through 27. The parable of the unforgiving servant. This one's a tough one. Yeah, it is. It's a tough one. All right. So, therefore, is the kingdom of heaven likened unto a certain king, which would take account of his servants? And when he had begun to reckon, one was brought unto him, which owed him 10,000 talents. But for as much as he had not to pay his Lord, commanded him to be sold, and his wife and children, and all that he had, 
and payment to be made. The servant therefore fell down and worshipped him, saying, Lord, have patience with me, and I will pay thee all. Then the Lord of that servant was moved with compassion and loosed him and forgave him the debt. I know. But the same servant went out and found one of his fellow servants, which owed him a hundred pence. And he laid hands on him and took him by the throat, saying, Pay me that thou owest. Hey, you went too far. I did? Yeah, you got to stop at 27. I apologize. You, just little sections, you know. All right, yeah, yeah, little, yeah. Sorry. Little, little I get excited. The story is so good. So, yeah, so, so, so then the Lord, in verse 20, so then the Lord of that servant was moved with compassion and loosed him and forgave him the debt. That sounds familiar. There you go. Sounds they can, familiar. They can hit that bullet point. Okay, so. In the Old Testament times, a talent was a unit of weight equaling about 75 pounds. In New Testament times, it was a unit of monetary reckoning valued at about 6,000 drachmas, the equivalent of about 20 years of wages for a laborer, hence 10,000 talents, hyperbolically represent an incalculable debt. So in today's terms, it would be about $6 billion, according to the English Standard Version Study Bible. It's a little much. Wow. Yeah. I'm just, whew. Yeah. I don't know. Elon Musk offered to buy Twitter for like $44 billion. I don't know. They're still fighting over that, but. Wow. So that was a big debt. It's a big debt. Big debt. Big debt. Huge. Yeah. Huge. Huge. <laughs> just write that, a check, you know? Yeah, they do it, you know? Wow. So verses 26 and 27, the servant therefore fell down and worshiped him, saying, Lord, have patience with me, and I will pay thee all. Then the Lord of that servant was moved with compassion and loosed him and forgave him the debt. So the forgiveness of such a massive debt is a dramatic illustration of the massive debt that people owe because of their sins to the holy, righteous God, the true king, right? These parables are really good if you think about it. Oh, man. So how are we going to respond? See, that's, that's what's so interesting. So God's gracious provision of Christ's death and resurrection to pay the debt for sins and to break the power of sin. So this is, this is big. So when we look at this story. How much has God forgiven us? We've been forgiven this incalculable debt. We're the, the, I agree. We're the evil servant. Oh, gosh. I look back on all the stuff I did compared to God and who he is and his character. I've been forgiven much. But we're the evil servant in this as story. Much is required. That's tough, right? I mean, we, that's, it's us. We're the evil servant. We could story. be. Well, we have a choice. We could be that, but that, I don't think that's me. But but if we harbor unforgiveness, then that's true. But I'm saying that as far as when I see this story, yeah, I'm, I'm it's like, definitely somebody else. I keep myself in check. Yeah, it's definitely <laughs> somebody else. So let's let's look at the, how this is going to respond now. Um, let's look at. Um, I'll read Matthew eighteen twenty eight through thirty. But the same servant went out and found one of his fellow servants, which owed him a hundred pence, and he laid hands on him. And took him by the throat, saying, Pay me that thou owest. I mean, that's violent. Yeah, it was. It's like the mafia. And his fellow servant fell down at his feet and besought him, saying, Have patience with me, and I will pay thee all. Sounds and he would not, but went out and cast him into prison till he should pay the debt. I mean, all the way around, this thing is, is nasty, you know. A hundred pence was still a large amount, equivalent to about 20 weeks of common labor. Uh, or about $12,000 in today's terms, according to the English Standard Version Study Bible. So, yeah. Um, $12,000. 20 weeks. But $12,000, $12, big difference. I mean, wow. 
And his fellow servant fell down at his feet and besought him. Of course, this is 2930, saying, Have patience with me. He's, he's crying out, and I will pay thee all. And he would not, but went and cast him into prison till he should pay the debt. In biblical times, serious consequences awaited those who could not pay their debts. A person lending money could seize the borrower who couldn't pay and force him or his family to work until the debt was paid. The debtor could also be thrown into prison or his family could be sold into slavery to help pay off the debt. Ouch. I mean, think about how vicious you are to throw him in prison. How's he going to pay the debt? That's even worse. I think they do hard labor and they get paid. Or right? something, maybe. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. The gulag. The state-run the state run, you know, work camp. The gulag. So what a great lesson as we stop and we, we ask ourselves, you know, and reflect. And thank God for the Holy Spirit, Ryan. Because here's the thing. Who have I not forgiven mm. that I, I need to? I don't know. Now, there are people that actually say, I will never forgive you. I hope you die. Ooh. Horrible things. And I was reading some of these books about emotions and things and people suffering from sickness and disease because of their unforgiveness. unforgiveness. That's right. And bitterness, can, they say, is one of the main causes of breast cancer, bitterness. Interesting. So all I'm saying is that if you could sit and reflect, you know, who have I not forgiven, forgive. Yeah. And if anybody comes to you and asks for forgiveness, I would grant it. So know? I think you've, you used to say this thing all the time. You used to say um, something about if you can't forgive or whatever then you've forgotten what has been given to yeah. you, if right? you yeah when you quit giving right when you quit giving you have forgotten what has been given to right. you so that's a powerful statement so imagine that the king of the universe right he came while we were in debtor's prison and wrote a check you that's know a mean? good point and paid the debt the wages of sin out of his death. pocket and right. oh death where is thy sting that's right because yeshua took the sting out of death yeah Wow. Yeah, I was trying to put that, that analogy together in my head, and I was thinking, like, I wonder, like, did he put himself in prison? But not really, because he broke out. <laughs> you know? The, 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 the prison fell down around him, you know? Cause you know, it's all these principles of, the, of nature and, and spirit realms. And, and, and you've heard, whom the sun sets free is free, free indeed. indeed. So we're going to move into Matthew eighteen thirty one through 35. All right. Oh, yeah. You want me to, did you read? I don't know who's up. Oh, yeah, it's my turn. Is it? Yeah, I want to read. Okay. I think it is my turn. You can read. I All right. So when his fellow servants saw what was done, they were very sorry and came and told unto their Lord all that was done. Then his Lord, after that, he had called him, said unto him, O thou wicked servant, I forgave thee all that debt, because thou desirest me. Shouldest not thou also have had compassion on thy fellow servant, even as I had pity on thee? And his Lord was wroth and delivered him to the tormentors till he should pay all that was due unto him. So likewise shall my heavenly Father do also unto you, if you from your hearts forgive not every one his brother their trespasses. Mm. Want to take it, Ryan? Wow. Yeah, that's, that's pretty intense. So this word tormentors that was in uh, verse 34 uh, is the Greek word basinistus, and it means... Torture. It's like someone in prison that's going to torture you, you know. Yeah. You know, you, you, you reap what you sow. The servant who was forgiven much did not forgive the servant who owed him little. Right. 
so you reap what you sow. So compassion was given to the servant who owed a lot. Yeah. But the second, or the, but, but the servant who owed him little showed no compassion. Not good. I know. But see, that's what we do. We don't put it in these terms until you read this and you think about it, but this is what we do. We put ourselves in the position of the king in this story, and... Or I guess we would be in the position of the first servant. You see right? how this story develops? It's tough, It man. starts with you sinned against your brother, and then you start up the whole thing Well, listen, from you, that. do you think it's a... No kidding. You, I, I know what this is like. Do you think it's a, a coincidence that he talks about, like, hey, this is what you do when a brother sins against you, but then the very next section is about forgiveness? Yeah. So there's this little balance there. You know, it I think both that ways. we have to look at situations um, from a holistic standpoint, you know? Uh, there should be accountability. And amongst a body of believers, we do need to cut cancers out. But at the same time, when it comes to interpersonal relationships, we do need to be offering forgiveness because we have been forgiven. You know, Now, if somebody continues to do something over and over, w- what is the point in forgiving somebody that's going to continue to repeat a sin, right? You just have to cut off ties with that individual. But it doesn't mean that you don't forgive them for the wrong that they did to you. You know? Right, and it's not like you got to you know put them in your inner circle or trust them or correct. You know, you have to use your own judgment. I've seen some of those things before. Where it's like what forgiveness is not. You know, forgiveness is not you know uh, letting the person continue to walk all over you, things like that. You know, it's like Dave Ramsey talks about: don't be a cosigner. Oh, unless you're willing to pay the debt. Pay the debt. That's right. Just say okay, I'm willing to to take care of this. Well, you have to consider it in your budget as if you are responsible for that debt because there may come a time where you are responsible for that debt. Right. So uh, verse 35, So likewise shall my heavenly Father do also unto you, if ye from your hearts forgive not every one his brother their trespasses. So because God has forgiven all our sins, we must not withhold forgiveness from others. As we realize how completely Yeshua has forgiven us, it should produce a grateful flood of forgiveness toward others. I, had a, I have a theory. There's two kinds of people. There are those that find it easy to forgive others, but difficult to ask for forgiveness. Yeah, that's the thing. Is it harder to ask for forgiveness or, or to give, receive forgiveness? Or, no, or to give forgiveness. Or to give forgiveness, yeah. so, And then there's that other side, which is that, right? So there's the one side that it's easy to give it, but hard to receive it. And then it's the other side that it's easy to receive it, but hard to give it. And so there's a mindset, I think, in both camps, whereas where the one is like, I want to make sure I get my forgiveness because of, you know, whatever. So I'm going to be liberally giving forgiveness. Right. Whereas the other side is like, well, that's like the older brother in the prodigal son story. You know, well, I did everything right. And all you guys come around, you just screw everything up. And then, oh, everything's, you know, because you asked for forgiveness everywhere. Everybody's supposed to just love you now, you know. And so there's different personalities of people. And I think God is addressing both kinds of people in this story that, you know, on the one side, we need accountability and we need to be holding each other accountable, especially when it comes to sin. Right. Because our, you know, our souls are, are dependent on it. And so is the body you know, of believers. So, so what if someone doesn't come to you for forgiveness? Are you supposed to still forgive them if you're carrying it? So this is an interesting, this is an interesting question because there is a verse that says if your brother comes to you and asks for forgiveness, you should forgive him. Yeah. Right. But that's just one verse. It is, that's but it's it, it it's an instruction. 
And so the question begs, is the opposite true? If he doesn't come and ask for forgiveness, do you still have to forgive him? You know? And I would say... Yes. Because somebody said last night that, that harboring unforgiveness is like drinking poison and expecting somebody else to die. Yeah. Right? Ain't that the truth? It is, because it doesn't affect the other person. Because That's right. Because most of the time they don't even know it. It's, That's it's right. It's just you and yourself. That's good. So... I don't think I don't think I like the context of saying that you should forgive so that you're not drinking the poison because then that puts everything on you and it's a self-centered reality. We forgive because God forgave us. Right. And it's his character that we're trying to be like. Yeah, that's true. Right? So that's we, powerful. It is. So I we, mean for a guy that's holy and doesn't make mistakes, oh, that's a pretty good deal if you ask me. Yeah. Okay, you guys are down here messing up cuz you got free will. You don't know how to make good decisions or whatever. But you're going to have to get along i don't know about you but i'm way past three strikes and you're out <laughs> way past you know so when you consider it from that regard uh he's doing like the 490 <coughs> like cubed at this point you know maybe more and notice he says from your hearts from your heart yeah forgiveness needs to come you know and to wish harm on somebody or to wish bad things on them or whatever it is. Like I, you know, sometimes I used to say, well, they made their bed, let them lay in it. Oof, I, I wash my hands of this. I quit saying that. Yeah. So, you know, the thing is, we have to look at it like, okay, how's this going to unfold? What's going to happen? You know, but um, did you do the bullet points? Uh, I didn't do the second two. So a transformed heart must result in a changed life that offers the same mercy and forgiveness as has been received from God. Someone who does not grant forgiveness to others shows that his own heart has not experienced God's forgiveness. Because wow. it's impactful, right? It's life-changing. There's a lot of people that are unforgiving. In my own family, there was unforgiveness. Yeah. It's just, it came out of their mouth. Yeah, oof. And it's like, no, 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 don't yeah. do that. Don't do that, yeah. Don't do that. So throughout Scripture, the heart refers to the center of one's being, including one's reason, emotions, and will. So here's the discussion question. How is it by God's spirit and process that we can truly forgive others even if, we don't, even if they don't ask for it? Here's my statement. The main incentive is out of unconditional love for the other party. The sad thing is if we do not forgive, we will not be forgiven. Mm. So there's got to be an incentive to show unconditional love because yeah. they, they merit that. Because while we were yet sinners, Christ died for the other party. But the sad thing is that if we don't forgive, we will not be forgiven. So that's a that's a, that's the price you're going to pay then. So you got to get that heart lined up with the action. Yeah, it was brought up to me after the service that nobody said that forgiving others is a command, and so to not forgive others is sin. That is a good point, and just like we're commanded to love. Yeah. Well, you're not loving. You broke the commandment of love. Yeah. They say there's a thousand commandments in the New Testament. Yeah. And only 613 in the Old Testament. So. What's been done away with? That's rough. I know. It's rough. I don't. I know. You know, I, I, it, that's a high standard, and this is one of those things where, like, people think the Torah is tough, and they want to call it bondage and all this silly stuff that they've come up with to call it. Uh, but the reality is, is that Yeshua's standard is way higher than the Torah. The Torah is low-hanging fruit, easy stuff. He takes it to the, the New sp- Testament is actually the interpretation. of Absolutely, the Torah. it's the He's, spiritual. Yeshua interprets component. the Torah, right? He right. sure does. So, what two points, Pastor Nick, can be learned from uh, Matthew chapter 18, verses 15 through 35? 
I have two things, which is really good. Yeah. When someone sins against another, it has to be dealt with. Oof. Okay, so there you go. That's a Boom. good one. Um, no matter what it is, you know. Uh, number two, make sure that you forgive others so that you can be forgiven. So I like that. Hmm. When someone sins against another, it has to be dealt with. And then, of course, make sure that you forgive others so that you can be forgiven. Yeah. And people can rub you the wrong way. You can still, you know, have, I, I've learned you can still like resent and, and be dealing with bitterness. But I tell you, you can forgive. And it doesn't have to turn into hatred. And I think that's what hatred is. It's unforgiveness. Like if I never see that, I never want to see that person again, or I, I hope, you know, or wish bad things on them or, or whatever it is, you know, or avoid them or whatever it is. It's like, you know, you're, you're just, you could be borderline close to hatred. Right. If you're not careful, many will be offended, betraying hate. Yeah. So what you do with the offense will dictate your future. Yeah. You know, and I know I just offend people with just the word of God, the truth. Oh, really? You believe you're Israel? It's offensive. Right. But you know what? I can live with that. Yeah. So those are my two. What do you got? All right. So the first one I got was we can't shirk our responsibilities when it comes to correcting situations. We can nip things in the bud while they're small and prevent bigger problems later on by working out things the way Where Jesus it flows said. into the church. Yeah, Correct. I know I know that very well. Yeah. It flows into the church <laughs> it now. It sure does, yeah. It does. It flows into the church. It does. Yes. Also, uh, we represent Christ. We represent Jesus as you know, people that proclaim to be followers and believers. And as such, we are not our own. And so the reason that we get offended is because we have forgotten that we are not our own. You know what I'm saying? Right. We, we don't have any price. rights. We were bought with a price. Right. We don't I have know. any rights. He's it's not us. Yeah, I it's know. no longer us that lives. It's him who lives in us. And he is a forgiving right. God. He forgave us everything. So then we now are compelled by the grace that has been given us to pass that grace on to others. That's good. It is good. Short and sweet. Why don't you pray us out? All right. Father, we thank you for this opportunity to be taught your word. And the whole interpretation of what Yeshua is giving in these parables is that, you know, if our brother sins against us, we go to them and we confront them and uh, we deal with it. And then if not, then we have two witnesses. And then if not, it goes to the church. We thank you, Father, for this church government here at Beit Tehillah. We thank you to make it stronger, our leadership, Father, and our and our, our, our will to, uh, to do, Father, uh, controversies and deal with decision-making in the church where two or more are gathered in your name. There you are in the midst of them to, to deal with these, these things and to make decisions for the church government. And so, Father, we thank you for that. We also thank you, Father, that uh, we can uh, forgive others in our heart, Father, by your Holy Spirit, that we can forgive because we will be forgiven. So we have so much to be thankful for because I know, Father, that in my past life, um, I've been forgiven much, so much is required, and I don't mind that. I think it's great. So, Father, we just thank you for this opportunity to come together. We thank you for forgiveness. We thank you that we can do this, Father. We can forgive. We can move on and have a, a clean slate. We ask this in Yeshua's name. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. All right, guys, uh, make sure that you leave us some comments. Let us know what, uh, what questions and thoughts that you have, if you have anything to add to what we've discussed here today. Um, you know, I'd even be interested to hear about, you know, redemptive stories of forgiveness where you were able to bring That's yourself right. into forgiveness and, and, and things like that. And also, if uh, you need anything from us, you can email me at ryan at twopraise.net. That's ryan, R-Y-A-N, at twopraise.net. And uh, I don't know. God bless you guys. Have a great week.